0: morning guys oh you guys are more lively and awake than the other service maybe some of you guys came back um because you slept through it and now you're ready to you're ready to learn some some bible um it's so good to see you guys welcome to whitewater if you're new this is a place you can belong before you believe and our goal is to help each and every person no matter how far ahead you might think you are or how kind you might feel you are we want to help you just take the next step in your spiritual journey um and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to pray and then we're going to just uh and jump into the sermon all right heavenly father thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with each and every soul that's here lord if there's people that are carrying burdens uh and heavy weights you know just um in their life would you would you lighten the load today would you pull some of those off their back and would you encourage them today? Lord, would you impact our hearts, our minds? Lord, our vision for you? Lord, would you speak a word that would help challenge us or encourage us or prompt us, inspire us uh, to become who you want us to be? And we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, I was talking with a friend uh, yesterday because it's been... Have you guys noticed the sun? Most of you guys have noticed this. You know, the kids are like, what's that bright thing in the sky? Um... The Washingtonians, if it's like below, you know, 70 degrees, there's a lot of complaining like we're in the darkness and I can't wait till the sun comes and it's too cold and it's too rainy. And then all of a sudden God provides and gives us what we want. And if it's in that 70 to 75 degree range, there's like this five degree range. We are so happy. We are like, I mean, we just start flourishing. People are smiling. But then if it hits one degree above that, like 76, all of a sudden people are like, oh, I wish the dark would come back. (laughs) Like, where are the clouds? Has anybody else noticed that? The five degrees of happiness in the Northwest? (laughs) It's like there is no God if it's not in seventy seventy five. Well, um, uh, I, I'm excited to, to share with you today. I wanted to I want to read a simple verse from John fifteen. Uh, it's actually two verses. It starts and it says this: "I am the true vine," says Jesus, "and my Father is the gardener. And my Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit." When I was a kid, um, I remember digging my hands into the dirt into the soil with my dad as he was gardening our garden and it probably wasn't like the most amazing garden but to me it was I just remember it being this huge fast almost like forest I mean, it would start real small but then you would have zucchini and pumpkins and um, we had tomatoes and I think some corn and, uh, and squash and there's just all these different you know vegetables growing in the garden and then there was kind of an orchard around this this is down in southern California on the edge of uh, the Coachella Valley um, in, in a town called Beaumont. And you're like, that sounds like nowhere. It totally was nowhere, but that's where we lived. And we had a garden and then we had like an orchard with... Um with all kinds of fruit trees. We had plum trees, apricot trees, peach trees, apple trees. We had an olive tree. We just had all these trees that produce fruit. And it was, it was an amazing place to grow up. And I remember my dad, you know, watering the plants and it gets really dry there. It gets up into the hundreds, well beyond the threshold of the northwest. Um, and, and you gotta keep the, the, the plants watered and the, we had to weed them. I remember when we'd first start the season, there'd be tilling and weeding and, it was a lot of work. My dad would do that. But I just loved being with him. And I was always just like filthy afterward. And I think my sister was there. My brother wasn't uh, born then. My brother's 12 years younger. He plays the drums here sometimes. And uh, I just remember learning how to garden for my dad. And it's been so cool recently as my daughter now is learning to garden with me. And I'm not like, I must not have learned that much from my dad. I think he was he's a much better gardener than me. But I did pick up some things. And so like Yoda says, pass on what you have learned and uh, I've been passing on some stuff with her, and she's taken way more responsibility than I ever did. She like is taking the hose for me and Dad. I can do this. I can water it. We planted some two pear trees, and you know I showed her how to kind of pull the roots out and plant it. And you got to have lots of you know fertilizer, good soil, and you got to make sure to water it really heavily to make sure the root system takes. And and she uh, you know, takes the bucket for me. No, Dad, I can do it. And she wants to to do this. She's turning into this little gardener. Uh, we had my my cousin. Uh, over this week from the East coast, he has three boys and they were outside playing. And I walked out there cause I heard just like screams and then it got like really quiet. It's the quiet. Good parents. No, all the singles are like, Oh, that sounds awesome. Silence must be great. No, there's, there's issues happening if there's silence. So I walked out there. I'm like, what's going on? And we had, we had, uh, like a big rake and a, a hoe and like these different, uh, gardening implements that all I noticed all of a sudden, all my, you know my nephews had and my daughter was leading them she was showing them how to garden and they were just taking these tools and they were whacking the crap out of my trees just wham wham and i, I was like novella what are you what are you guys doing she was like showing them how to garden you know like um, i've heard it said that cultivating our soul is a lot like cultivating the garden And if you aren't working in the garden, weeds start to happen. Um, The plants start withering and it's not healthy. And I wonder what my response today from any one of you that are here would be. If we were to sit down for coffee or something, I were to ask you, how is your soul? I wonder what your answer would be. we're about to head into summer isn't it crazy how when you go into summer everything's busy and you're like oh i can't wait till we're in summer then it's going to slow down and then all of a sudden the falls down you're like what just happened you know how's your soul are you hurried are you worried is there like a slow simmering of anger and frustration under the surface are you are are your emotions under control are you um, having a hard time focusing? How is your soul, your emotions, your physical makeup? How's your mind? Um, how's your thought life? Uh, how, how are your relationships? How is your soul? Today, I just want to give some really simple tools. Like my dad's sh- showing me how to garden when I was a kid, and I've been showing Novella. And God, it says in that, in that verse in, in, in John 15, that my father is the gardener. And, and God the Father gives us tools, and he gives us training on how to garden our souls. I want to give you five keys to cultivating the garden of your soul. The first one is... You have to grow strong roots. You have to grow strong roots. The roots determine the fruits. In Jeremiah seventeen seven through 8 it says this, The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is indeed in the Lord, is blessed. It's good to trust in God. You're blessed. This is what you're like. It says he or she will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes and its foliage remains green. It will not worry uh, in a year of drought or cease producing fruit because it's rooted deeply. It's got healthy roots and the health of the roots determine the health of the fruits. Um, here's the other thing I think is so interesting is that if, a, if we become, because of our trust and our confidence in God and our growing trust in Him, we become like trees rooted near a stream. It's saying that we're putting ourselves in, the closer the proximity to God, the closer we're putting ourselves in proximity to the source of all life and creativity and flourishing, Like like plants need water for life. And, and they need a root system that can, that can bring the water into them. And so I I love that it says it, the, the tree doesn't fear when heat comes, as if a tree would be afraid. But in our lives, when drought comes, drought for many of us just sounds like a horrible thing. How many of you guys have been a drought, through a drought in your life? Like real literal people are like, I've been through real droughts before and I've seen those. How many of you guys have been through like a metaphorical spiritual drought in your life? Financially, relationally, you know, spiritually. When those things come, it's hard. One thing I know about droughts is that they reveal how deep the roots are. Droughts reveal how deep the roots are. If you want to know how your spiritual life is, just go through a drought. Drought see how see how you handle it i've in my you know garden right now uh or my yard um we when we had the sun hit you know for a few weeks there there's heavy sun and then the rain would come there were some plants that like just a few days of the intense sun they immediately started withering now with my grass i love that i love it when it turns like a golden bronze (laughs) because i don't have to mow it you know and so how many guys like it when it turns that gold and bronze just like yes you know you used to have to mow the lawn for your parents didn't you i know your story and then some of you guys like how how could that be good for anyone's soul george you must make your neighbors that's bad for their soul um but it's interesting how quickly certain things will wither when when there's drought or when there's when there's heat applied and there's some plants that stay green and stay healthy because they've got deep roots the rooted. And, and God knows that if we're gonna, uh, be, if we're gonna really flourish, if our souls are gonna be healthy, we have to have deep roots. Now, um, I've, I've learned a few things about roots. Um, I was telling you, me, my daughter, we, we planted two pear trees and I showed her how you have to like kind of wriggle the roots out and then plant it and pour lots of water so that the root system can start to grow deep. And I, I learned that, um, um, they're in, in a desert, areas like in arizona and even parts of southern california um you'll have uh plants that are living in the desert like tumbleweeds and tumbleweeds tumble because they died because the roots weren't very deep and they just blow around you'll see big billowing you know basically clouds of tumbleweeds that go one time my dad tried to burn them in a burn pile in the mojave desert and uh the heat caused them to rise and there was all this wind and all of a sudden he just sent these big, huge fireballs into the sky. <laughs> My grandpa was with him. He's like, huh, that wasn't like what I thought was going to happen. This stuff just went off and they, didn't, they weren't deeply rooted. On the other hand, have you guys heard of cactus? Particularly saguaro cactus. And these are big, cac- you know, I guess big cacti to be, you know, use the plural. Um, but when they're growing in the desert, they can reach 130 degrees and they're still flowering and producing fruit in the middle of the heat, in the middle of the desert, in the middle of a drought. Why? Well, so guaro cactus have um, root systems that, that are that are enormous. They can be 40, 50, 60 feet in diameter of root system and they can outlast the heat and outlast, outlast the droughts. I, I I just think sometimes our, our the health of our soul comes down to some simple things, but it's so easy not to pay attention to it, isn't it? I wonder I wonder how the roots of your life are. It says those who trust in God and are confident in Him and are growing in their trust are blessed, and they're like trees with deep roots. The more we trust God, the more we're rooted in Him. Proverbs, um, or actually Luke uh, chapter eight, it says this: the seed on the rock. Um, are those who, when they hear and receive the word of God with joy, they don't, uh, it, it says that they having no root, they don't have roots, these believe for a while and then they fall away in a time of testing, in a time of drought, or a time of flood, a time of fire, a time of of testing will come, and because there's no roots, they get uprooted really, really easily. I wonder if uh, you were looking and testing your life, would your life look a lot more like a tumbleweed Or a cactus. Some of you guys are like, I'm very prickly, so I know which one I am. (laughs) Proverbs 12.3 says, the righteous cannot be uprooted. Uh, NLT says the same verse this way, the godly have deep roots. They're not uprooted easily because they have deep roots. You can go through a lot of things. I I had a friend who, in the last year, just went through tragedy after tragedy, found out they had cancer, had to get through cancer, found out mom had cancer, had to get through that cancer, didn't know if they'd survive. Um, And and business-wise and life-wise and family, just thing after thing after thing. And they're just like, I'm just ready to be done here. And they've been going through this drought, but they've got deep roots and they haven't given up. And in fact, they've learned to grow in the middle of that. And so, to continue that growth, I think there's, it's really important to know how do you how do you build bigger uh, how do you big build bigger roots. That was really hard to say for some reason. <laughs> so here we go. Psalms one one through three says this: How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers? And one of the ways you build roots is by not building roots into foolishness and idiocy. That sounds really simple, right? but sometimes it's harder to do. And some of us are like, well, we've got people in my life, and people I love, and they might be struggling. Is this saying that we shouldn't spend time with them? No, 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 no. Don't be rooted in foolishness. Let your fruits and the shade of your life fall on and influence people who are struggling for sure. But don't root your life in foolishness. Give shade to those who are struggling. Give good fruit from your life that's rooted in something Deeper. Does that make sense? Then it goes on to say this in verse 2. Instead of being rooted in foolishness, your delight is in the Lord's instruction and meditating on it day and night. He who's like that is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season. If you want to be a tree that's planted deeply and next to a source of life, you have to spend time with the Lord. Those who spend time with the Lord are trained by the Lord meditating on god's word for me i for george to grow well like god's word is so important the sacred scripture the scripture it like fills my mind with like good things you look at the news you look at our world it can be so negative but when i'm reading god's scripture it's it's kind of god's it's it's the nutrients that i need for my life it's the bible is a is such a helpful way of filtering good and evil such a good way of filtering lies and and truth that, that I can be pouring, letting into my life or not. The Bible is so central to knowing God's will. The kids are having a blast back there (laughs) or they're extremely terrified. You'll find out which later. Um, I just love that. Another thing for me on top of God's word is, is having soul connection time with people. Like where I actually spend time, (laughs) (laughs) this could be the whole sermon guys, just buckle up. It's, we're making sure your kids are having fun. Um, I I have to feel like I'm if I'm not connected with somebody where I'm having meaningful conversations uh and I've got a drought of that going on in my life I start to wither I mean, maybe you, like, I I don't want to talk with people. Like, you know your life. You know how you're built. But me, I need, like, deeper soul connections with people where people I can trust and I can talk to about real things in my life. And they tell me real stuff going on. Another thing is my closest relationships, I got to have those right. If there's a lot of dissonance between me and Sarah, you know, even if we're just kind of grumpy with each other or short with each other, or maybe life's really busy so we haven't had much time together to connect, like, I am not flourishing my roots are getting shallower um with my with my daughter and even my little son like those roots i need to help them plant deep roots and one of the ways they know god's love is through how i love them and and that's that's scary to think about that our kids and some of the ones that we influence the most that are that are at a fragile or developmental age they're learning about god through their relationship with you Man, being a dad and a mom or an uncle or a friend or the fun uncle or the unfun uncle, whatever it might be for you, like it's important. What a tremendous calling because we're all helping each other's roots. Mentors are really important in developing deeper roots. I could go on and on, but these are important things to to building deeper roots in our life. Number two, you got to pull the weeds you got to pull the weeds. Uh, Luke eight eleven and 14 say this. The seed is the word of God. The seed that gets planted in our hearts is the word of God, the truth of God. And verse 14 says, As for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked out with worries, with riches, and with the pleasures of life. And because of these weeds and thorns, they produce no mature fruit. You might have some start of little fruit, but never fully mature. It's like they taunt you and tease you with beautiful fruit that never ripens. And Jesus is teaching us it's because they've let the weeds grow in the garden. And it's choking everything else out. The other day, um, my wife looked out the window and she said, It's been enough. The weeds are winning the war. And I looked out and she'd been saying this for a few weeks. Like there was a new conviction in her voice that didn't, it was going to be bad if I didn't go along with this. And I looked out and I said, well, it just all looks like beautiful foliage to me. And of course we went out there. It was really one of those hot days and, and we're gardening and we brought, you know, Novella out and we were showing her all the tools and we're digging stuff and pulling stuff up and we pulled up all the weeds by the, by the shed and then uh, out in the front with the beds. Um, with, and I, I was learning I had plants I couldn't, I didn't know I had. I had never been able to see because all these weeds had overgrown. They were winning the war. And my wife was with us for a while and also I noticed she wandered next to the house. I'm like, Hey, we're weeding over here. And she's like, it's too hot. It's, it's, be, it's like seventy." six degrees (laughs) it was too hot for so she stayed in the shade and man when we got done with that we had taken care of a big chunk of our yard and there were these beautiful plants i didn't even know existed and all of a sudden they've been growing more healthy because the weeds that were sucking all the nutrients that were crowding them out and 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 pushing them in or are are out And they have priority and it's looking good now. We have to begin pulling the weeds of our own life. Let me ask you a question. Who is responsible for your soul? Who's responsible for your spiritual life? Is it your friend? Is it your mom and dad? Yeah, they're totally responsible for me. (laughs) Is it your pastor? Is it your community group? I, we want to put ourselves around people that that breathe life into us, are life giving. But who is ultimately responsible for your soul? You are. And I'm. A, I get worried that that church can be set up in, in a way like we live in a culture that's so consumeristic and it's like we can hire out gardeners for our own life. And, you know, sometimes people just look at a pastor, they look at a church, they look at their community group as like these glorified hired hands, these hired gardeners, these contract gardeners, that their job is to clean my soul and make my decisions for me and make my life great. And it, it's like you can do that for a little while, but you're not really going to pull the real weeds because they don't know what the real weeds are. And when what happens when they're gone? When you're tired of having them, or they get too close to some of the deeper stuff, and they start seeing, whoa, whoa, your root system sucks. Can I say that? <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, I want a new contract gardener. You and I are responsible. We have to learn how to pull the weeds, and if we don't, we are having other people do it, they don't get deep enough, they, we don't grow as much as we can. And then when they're gone, the weeds grow back because we don't know how to work the garden. It's like my daughter, just put put the the tools down for a second, sweetie, like the cousin, put the tools down when they're whacking the crap out of my trees. Sometimes I feel like God looks at us and we've hired these other people and we'll kind of go out a little bit to look like we're working, we're just like, wham, wham. We don't even know how to use the tools that he's given us. We don't know how to garden. He's just like, put the tools down and quit whacking the crap out of the trees. Let me show you. Let me show you. We have to learn how to garden our souls. And we are responsible for pulling the weeds. In fact, weeds are a sign of neglect. Weeds are a sign of neglect. Um, For me, personally, the way I have to deal with the weeds is I have to realize that the, the urgent things in my life are overtaking the important things. The urgent has become more important than the important. Let me give you an example. My phone. How many get? Probably not many of you guys. When I get, I get a buzz on my phone, like this morning, or if I get a call, or I get something from somebody that's saying, "I, I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to affirm you. I want to connect with you." It just over and over. The buzz or an email or a phone call, but like the screen is always calling and it's always urgent. And all of a sudden, I have to realize this. This has become a bunch of weeds in my life. Because it's taking my FaceTime from my daughter and putting it to screen time. Or, um, my time with the Lord in prayer and self-reflection and getting into God's Word has been, there's been so many weeds that are growing up that I, I can't even focus. And the and the f- most foolish thing is is what, you know when you talk with people how are you doing I'm super busy you, uh, you heard that I'm, I'm like super busy I've been like that it's like the badge nowadays it's like the you know this is the it's the millennial badge of of, of superiority and righteousness that we're so busy I mean, how dumb is that like I'm so pr- I'm, I'm so proud of how I don't connect with anybody and make the proper time and prioritization in my life. It's like I'm wearing this badge of idiocy. And I wear it more than I want to admit. I'm busy and I'm doing all this stuff and the weeds are taking over and all the urgent stuff is taking away from the things that are most important. Quality time, family, prayer, uh, seeking the Lord, connecting with mentors, soul connection, all that stuff we mentioned. And money and lifestyle, and keeping up with the Joneses and whatever your thing is, these weeds start creeping in and we start treating them they're like, like they're the tulips or the roses of our garden. And it's not. It's not, um, I worked in a, I wasn't planning on telling you guys, but I worked at, um, I worked at a garden one time and it was my, it was really like this huge company that did lots of landscaping. And when I first got hired on, I was like 14 or 15 and my glorified job was just picking weeds all day for eight hours a day. I hated it. I think that's why sometimes the weeds start winning the war at my house. I hated it. Because it took time, hard work, and tenacity, just picking weeds. And then finally I'd get through the greenhouse and I'd be like, okay, I finished it. And I'd look at the beginning where I started and weeds were growing again. And it's just this, it's hard work. And here's the reality. I'm not saying that we do this apart from God. We're learning to work with God in the garden of our, our life, our souls. But like, it takes work. It takes work. It takes tenacity. You gotta, and you gotta stay on top of it. Cause the, the, here's the thing I've learned. Weeds start really small. If you don't take care of them, they get really big. All right. Here's the next thing. A tree is proven by its fruit. Tree is proven by its fruit. What, what is this? This is Jesus giving the training of knowing the difference between health and unhealth weeds and trees It's teaching discernment in luke chapter 6 verse 43 you guys good you guys hanging here with me i hope this is this is helpful for you uh, it says this in verse 43 a, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit like kind of hang on to that for a, second. a good tree will not cannot isn't it's impossible for it not to, it, it, to to produce bad fruit it can't do it a good tree Will produce good fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Fig trees, uh, a, a ga- excuse me, fig, figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked up from a bramble bush. A good person uh, produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth, out of his mouth, speaks from the overflow of his heart. Now, this is getting really black and white in our culture. We like to say, well, it's gray and there's people are mixed bags and, you know, there can be really good people with good fruit. And there's just a little bit of, and we got to, we can't be too over the top here. Jesus is just saying, look at, there's a, you will not grow and change and get healthy if you can't recognize or acknowledge where there's unhealth. And it is impossible for you to tell me that a tree or person is healthy when the actions and words of their life are unhealthy and ugly and harmful and self-destructive. And Jesus is like, don't tell me that. Do not tell me that. A, a good tree is producing good fruit. And anyway, you like, is there any room for great? Well, sure, but he's making a major point here. And here's what, I, there's a few things for our culture. I just wanted to lay out for you guys just to consider. One of them being, um, That we, in our culture, like to justify the bad fruit in our life. The bad, you know, like the language that might not be helpful or might be maybe a little bit gossipy or whatever. Um, And and we might use, um, here's basically what happens. We use other people's bad behavior and bad fruit to justify our bad fruit. Did you see what that person said? Did you see what that person did? Did you see what they tweeted? Did you see what they put on Facebook? or Or we do this in response to that, and we say, well, they had it coming, and that's what they deserved. And did you see what they did? Did you hear what they said? And we use other people's bad behavior and maybe bad language, or maybe just stuff that we don't agree with. Maybe it's not necessarily bad. I just don't agree with it. To justify bad fruit coming out. And what does Jesus say about bad fruit? Bad fruit is because there's something wrong and unhealthy in the tree. And so Jesus says, don't tell me that you're justifying bad actions and bad words and unhealthy, destructive behaviors because of somebody else. Stop it. He's like, that's what like two wrongs in Jesus' book do not make right. Yeah? Um, and we live in a culture that wants to blame and to justify ugly behavior and it's not okay Christians I'm speaking especially if you're not a Christian I don't expect you to act like a Christian but this is what Christians are called to know the fruit of your life here's the other thing when I lived in Bellingham I uh I was going to college and I worked a few jobs one of them was lawn uh lawn care and I was mowing lawns and weed whacking I remember weed whacking. And I was learning the ropes and I was working with these two guys who hated each other. They did not, they'd like sit in this like, you know, bench truck and they'd be at the very edges and they didn't like talking to each other. And I was like, I wonder what happened. Well, what they did when they were mowing or weed whacking is they would, they would be walking along, especially in the fall and they'd be grabbing apples and plums and blackberries and raspberries and they'd just start eating fruit as they were working. I Any mean, of you guys done this? They would just fill up on fruit. It was awesome. And I learned to do this from them. And i just start eating apples and plums. And it was so awesome. But I guess one time when they were working, like, one of them, Justin, had thrown a plum into his mouth too hard. And it got lodged in his throat. And he started choking. He fell on his knees. And he's choking. This, this plum is killing him. And his partner sees him choking on the ground and just keeps walking by. And walking by I mean he was like he was dying and finally had to scrape this thing out of his throat and they were angry at you were gonna let me die he's like I was letting you learn a lesson I had a, you know it was ugly but the one good thing I learned from them was eating fruit on the run it was amazing but sometimes when you'd eat this fruit you'd grab an apple that looked so good or a, a, a plum that would look so good and you'd take a bite in that thing and it would be mealy and rotten there was even ones where there was like a worm crawling in it and I was like and just ate the rest of it no I'm just kidding um, and in our culture one of the issues one of the issues is this the world says it doesn't need to taste good as long as it looks good the fruit doesn't need to taste good. It just needs to look good. But God says, if the fruit tastes good, the tree actually is good. You can tell a tree by the quality and quantity of its fruit. We live in this culture like, if it if it looks good, then it is good. And God says, that's not good enough. We live in a culture that says, if my marriage looks good enough, if I get people to believe and, and even covet and maybe are jealous of my marriage or my life, Then it is good. We fool ourselves, or we know in our heart of hearts, it's really bad, we're fighting, or my life isn't going well, I'm in bankruptcy, but look at my cars, look at my life. As long as other people can think I'm great, or even be jealous of my life, then I'm good. And, and friends, we live, I mean, that is the most bankrupt way of living. That's like modern day Pharisees, as long as we look good, the taste doesn't matter, but that God is not fooled. He is the gardener. He tastes the fruit. He knows what's really going on in our life. And you know a tree. You know a, someone's identity, what's in their heart, by the overflow of their mouth and the, the overflow of their actions. We cannot fool God. You can't. You know what? Some of you might be like, well, I don't even believe in God yet. You still can't fool him. You just can't. And we live in this day and age where like... um you look at Hollywood. You look at the political spectrum, and all of a sudden, where there's this projection and image, where the the you know the fruit looks so good. We look so progressive, and we look so empowering of of minorities and and and, and of women and people who aren't in power. And we're we're empowering them both in Hollywood and in the political system. And then all of a sudden, people have started biting into the fruit collectively. There's been more of an awakening of the truth of what's really going on, and, and the the fruit, my friends is more rotten than people realized was God surprised no or shocked can you believe this there's this rot and there's like worms and it's mealy and nasty and like none of the stuff it was projecting is is true in certain corners and crevices and like and people were allowing this and empowering this behavior can you believe it and God's like I taught you this you shouldn't be surprised Hollywood, the politicians, the people in our life that have uh, that have rotten stuff going on underneath the image. He said, "This is the symptoms of your world." Why would we be, be surprised when this is the life that many of us have lived ourselves? Why can you believe the politicians? Can you believe Hollywood? When in our own life it's the same thing. And Jesus wants us to be real. He wants to be. He wants to be truthful and recognize this fruit is not good so that we can get healthy. Amen? Let's finish with these last two. Um, Recognize and cooperate with God in pruning your life. John 15, 1-3 says, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, He removes and He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Um, If you just were listening to me me read that or you're reading that yourself you might be thinking like I did wait a second you're telling me if I don't bear any fruit with my life or there's really really bad fruit I get cut something gets cut off lopped off but if I do bear really good fruit and I do a good job I also get something lopped off as well like what's the deal God like I get I somehow get pruned either way and what I think is going on here is there's two types of pruning. The first kind is, I think, discipline in your life. When you're not producing fruit or there's something ugly and there's something wrong and there's bad behavior and it's ugly behavior, uh, God sometimes will have to discipline us by letting us experience the consequences of our behavior. God's grace sometimes is letting us experience the consequences of our behavior. How you have treated that person or the, how you treated your kids will all of a sudden someday show up in their life. And God's like, I told you and you didn't listen. I told you that addiction that you never dealt with. I told you that weed that you let grow from a seed all the way to this huge weed. Like it, it's taken over the garden. Your soul is unhealthy because of this. And sometimes God lets things get kind of cut out of our life because of sin. And the only way to, to make it stop is to repent and turn from it. Be like keeping your hand on a burning, you know, iron. You got you to pull it off to have the pain stop. Hebrews twelve eleven says, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but really painful. You guys ever had something painful that you brought on yourself? I have. And you're later, you're just like stupid, but it seems so smart at the time. Later on, it says it will it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you allow yourself to be trained by foolish decisions and um, let God discipline your life and you repent and you turn from it, you can grow. Fruit will grow. Here's the second one, second kind of pruning. God prunes in our life areas of fruitfulness because he wants it to be more fruitful. More fruitful. My dad used to start lopping off it would kind of like my wife he'd be like that's it that's enough he'd look back at the fruit trees and he'd just start lopping off branches i mean just branch after branch i mean just turning these things into nubs i remember looking at me like dad i don't know if mom's gonna like that he's like no she'll love it later you know he's lopping this thing and it's just i i remember just imagining you know being that tree out oh, no not that one no please no no and that that one's gone you know and my dad's like shut up you're making me feel bad you know and he's lopping these things off I remember, my sister said, you remember when he would cut the hole and we'd have but Katie, George, Elaine, we'd have to go clean up all the branches. And then I remember my, my mom coming out and just being like, George, there's just, they're not trees anymore. They're not bushes. They just look like naked little, they just, it's awful. They're dead. He's like, just wait. He was a good gardener. I mean, within a year, those, those trees produced more fruit than we'd ever seen. We didn't know what to do with pears and apples. And it was amazing. Sometimes God prunes back good things in our life, and we're like, and it's painful, and it's hard, and it's like, why is this relationship, why is this thing happening to me? Why is my bank account going? Why is, you know, my spiritual life, I I needed this God, and and later we find out, no, I was codependent on that, or there, there was, I needed to have that taken away so there could be more fruit in my life. I remember that with my, even in my own life where God has pruned back some things in my, in ministry. My like, God, this was so good. And he pruned it back and I'm just like, Ugh. And then harvest time comes. I'm like, oh, okay, God, you know what you're doing because you're the gardener and I'm learning to be a gardener. Here's the last thing. Remain patient for the harvest. My father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit. God wants us to produce much fruit with our life. In verse 4 of John 15, it says, Remain in me, abide in me, be connected with me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. It's not the other way around. Sometimes we're like, God, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you know, kind of everything flows from me, and God's like, no, 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 no. I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me. And I and Him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without Me. Apart from God, we have nothing. Like, like this is probably the most important aspect of guarding the soul is that we can be like the branches that think, "Oh, we see life over here. We see something we want. Um, it, maybe it's a weed, but we don't recognize it. We're like, I want to go over there. So we'll detach from the vine and we'll and we'll head over there. Have you ever seen like a detached vine, like just a branch that's been disconnected?" Like, is it going to produce any fruit? Is it going to produce any flowers? It can look alive for a little while, but it's dying already off the vine. And we're, we can be wandering around. We look really good. Again, we can have the image of good fruit. And we're disconnected from Jesus, the source of all life. And we, because maybe tough things have happened, it's been hard. And we're like, I'm checking out. I've been I've been pruned back too many times. Or like the weeds are just so annoying. I'm going to go find another place. Or whatever it is. And we wander off. And and we're expecting there to be fruit in our life. And God's like, are you kidding me? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, have you been abiding and remaining and being connected with God, the source of all life? If God were to take a bite out of your life, what kind of fruit, what kind of taste would it be? If he was to look at your life right now, would you be connected to him? Or would you be wandering from him? You and I are responsible for our souls. Like God, he puts people, he puts situations, he gives us his word, he gives us everything we need to be moving into health. Will we do it? Or will we rent a contractor gardener? Will be a, we be a bossy gardener telling everybody else how their garden should look, how their soul should look, and how bad it is and how wrong it is? While all the while our soul is withering. Imagine a, a, a fruit tree that's bearing no fruit. It's gnarly and nasty and it's got mealy little spuds hanging off of it telling these other trees how they should be healthier here's the challenge that that i want to put before you guys what would it look like this summer if you identified one of these five areas root fruit weed pulling pruning and you identified one of these areas and you said hey god this is the area of weakness in my life and I want to make my soul healthy. I know it's you, and I'm partnering with you, but God, would you help me? And what if you became a trainer for other people? And rather than just doing everything for them, becoming the codependent gardener that has to fix everybody else at at their own expense, you're healthy, and you're helping others be healthy. But you give them tools, and you train them so that when you walk away, they're able to garden, and they're not just waiting for somebody else to help them next. Does that make sense? What if that what would your summer look like if you cultivated the soul? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Thank you for the opportunity to learn from you. You are the gardener, heavenly Father. Train us, teach us how to cultivate our souls so that we're we're life giving people that we have joy in our lives, Lord, Lord. You it says that you're doing all these things, cultivating us, pulling weeds out, uh, pruning us, Lord, so that we would have joy, so that we would have fruit, Lord. I, I pray that we would have tremendous joy in our lives, in in the droughts and in the pruning, but also in the fruit time, Lord. I pray that we would just be people of joy because we know that our souls are producing fruit that will last for eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.